This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 112 The Avely Abduction Throughout history, the concept of UFOs and the intriguing phenomenon of alien abductions have captivated human imagination and fueled endless debates. From ancient cave paintings depicting strange beings and aerial anomalies to modern-day reports of encounters, these enigmatic occurrences have left an indelible mark on popular culture and the collective psyche. Among the most well-known cases that have helped shape our contemporary views on extraterrestrial encounters are the Roswell Incident of 1947, the Betty and Barney Hill Abduction of 1961, and the Ilkley Moore Incident in 1987, which brought the concept of abduction experiences into public awareness. These iconic incidents, along with numerous others, have paved the way for further investigation into the unexplained. One such case The Andrew Collins Report on the Avely Abduction delves into a lesser-known yet highly compelling narrative that offers a unique experience shared by a family in 1974. The story revolves around John and Elaine Avis and their three children, a seemingly ordinary family residing in the quiet England town of Avely. In October of 1974, Their lives were forever changed when they claimed to have experienced a bizarre and unsettling series of events that involved contact with non-human entities. It was just after 10pm on a cool October evening in 1974 when the Avis family was making their way home from Harold Hill where they had been visiting the mother, Elaine's parents' house. The Avis family were often described as a very normal and loving family from East London. The family lived in a semi-detached house in Avely, Essex, nearly 15 minutes from London. Avely was known for being very rural, despite being so close to the city. The family made their way through the dark countryside. They were familiar with the route as they always took the same path, south from Horn Church and along Hackton Lane. The trip would generally take them no less than 20 minutes. On this particular night, John, the father of the house, was eager to get home to watch a program on television. Unfortunately, despite making sure they left with just enough time, their journey would not go as planned. 
The radio played softly as parents John and Elaine sat in the front seat, and their two children, Karen and Stuart, fast asleep in the back seat. The eldest son, Kevin, was still awake and sat gazing at the stars through the back window. It was a rather dull night, no difference from nights previously. All of a sudden, the family noticed something very strange in the sky, just above the line of houses. It was a pale blue iridescent light shaped like an oval, just over 500 yards away. The family described it as similar to a bright star, only it appeared to be following them. The light traveled in the very same direction of the family's vehicle, maintaining speed. It would occasionally stop and then start again. At first, they assumed it was most likely a helicopter. However, the longer it followed them, the more strange and out of place it began to feel. Aside from a short time driving through a patch of forest, the object remained next to them, completely visible. Unease settled over them. There was no additional traffic that night. Driving through open patches of fields and farmland, the object in the sky was the only light that they could see for miles. As they continued their drive home, there was a point in the road where it turned sharply into Park Farm Road. As the car turned, the object in the sky also turned, nearly in unison. After traveling roughly half a mile, the object changed direction and was now directly in front of the car. It then descended toward the road as if it were going to collide with their vehicle. At that moment, the family found themselves passing a small line of terraced houses. The light then disappeared from view into what appeared to be thick brush. Once the family finally made it to Avely Road, John and Elaine were convinced that something was wrong. They felt like they were in danger. The car proceeded at just 30 miles an hour. In an instant, the air changed around them. The hum of the car's engine and the sound of the tires as they traversed the pavement became completely inaudible. The only sound that could be heard was the faint sound of the radio as it seemed to echo throughout their small vehicle. A moment later, that sound faded as well. As the car progressed further, just ahead of them sat a wall of green mist. It was very dense and seemed to be roughly eight to nine feet high. It was so thick, it completely covered the road in front of them. The radio then cut out, crackling and hissing as it began smoking. This caught John off guard, causing him to let go of the steering wheel so he could pull out the wires to disconnect it. This also caused the headlights to go out as well. At that moment, the car's engine sputtered and died. The car, still coasting down the road, became completely engulfed by the green mist. The mist wrapped itself around every corner, edge, and open crevice. It was chillingly cold. Everything became hazy as John, Elaine, and Kevin struggled to maintain consciousness. It was eerily silent. They could also feel a tingling sensation and were completely unaware if the car was even moving at that point. 
The experience seemed to last merely a few long seconds before there was a jolt and the feeling of the car passing over a hill, and the green fog was instantly gone. Their headlights illuminated the road ahead of them as the engine roared to life. John took over the wheel and continued driving the family home. Elaine immediately called out, Is everybody here? She didn't know why she asked. However, she and John were both very scared and feared for the safety of their family. When they arrived home, Karen and Stuart, still asleep, were carried to bed. John also stayed back to rewire his car radio. At that time, Elaine checked the clock and was shocked to find out that it was after 1 a.m. What should have been a 20-minute drive actually took them three hours. In the months that followed, the family experienced many changes. Every family member, aside from Stuart, switched to a vegetarian diet. John and Elaine developed strong views on humanity's destruction of the planet and the unnecessary slaughter of animals for food. John, once a heavy smoker, gave up the habit immediately. They also stopped drinking alcohol and banned it from the home. By Christmas, John suffered a nervous breakdown and was forced to leave his job. He remained out of work until the following September. It was clear that something had happened on that fateful October night that would have lasting effects on the family forever. On several occasions, the family claimed that they were followed by cars with tinted windows. It was noted that the same three cars followed them well into the summer the next year. They complained of feeling like they were being stalked by men in black suits. On one particular occasion, they stated that two mysterious men, dressed in black suits, sat parked in front of their home from 9pm till 1am. John ended up calling the police to force the men to leave. He was surprised to find the officer sent to their home, acting suspiciously. The man did not display a proper ID, and was even seen leaving with the other two men. The family began receiving phone calls at all hours of the day and night. Sometimes they would be met by dead air. Other times they could hear the sound of heavy breathing on the other end of the line. John continued to find himself the subject of harassment on several occasions, when he was out driving his car and stopped by men claiming to be police officers. This started occurring up to five times per week, and went on for well over a month. Out of the strange events reported by John and Elaine, this was small in comparison. In their home, the family experienced strange poltergeist-like activity. Objects moved on their own. Loud droning noises could be heard late at night, normally after midnight. The sound would get louder and louder before instantly going silent again. This activity was also witnessed by others that would come to their home, or stay overnight. Random clicking noises could be heard throughout the home at random. 
In addition, the family claimed to hear what sounded like Morse code from time to time, most often late at night. Despite all of the strange occurrences in the home, the most strange and chilling of them all was a claim made by the youngest son, Kevin, sometimes during 1975 to 1976. Kevin awoke suddenly from a deep sleep. Glancing around his room, he spotted a strange man by the side of his bed. To him, the figure resembled a circus clown, dressed completely in white. Kevin was completely overtaken by terror as he experienced the inability to move. In an instant, it was gone. He told his parents of the incident, but could only remember what the figure looked like and being scared. On numerous nights, John and Elaine awoke from similar nightmares. In these nightmares, they could remember being examined by what could only be described as small gnomes or small, ugly-looking things. By the time writer and researcher Andrew Collins became involved in the case in 1977, the Avis family were completely exhausted by what they had experienced and its aftermath. After reading an article on UFOs in a local publication, and the need to get the weight of what they had experienced off of their chests, they reached out to Collins. He set up a meeting with them and brought along fellow ufologist Barry King. On August 15, 1977, the group met. Collins's first step was to establish the facts of the case. He wanted to create a timeline that matched their missing time against the moment of time it should have taken for the trip. Additionally, he wanted to test their pre-existing knowledge of UFOs and famous abduction cases. Surprisingly, the couple knew very little. Their knowledge of the subject was very limited. At that time, Collins suggested that John and Elaine undergo hypnotic regression. He felt that this could be a good way to unlock further details regarding their missing time. Despite understanding its purpose, the couple were very reluctant. They feared what they would uncover and where the hypnotic regression would lead. However, John ultimately agreed. He had to find out what happened to them that night. On September 25th, 1977, John, along with Andrew Collins, Barry King, and a few other researchers, met with Dr. Leonard Wilder. Wilder was a dental surgeon known for using hypnotism for the past 20 years to conduct research into reincarnation. The first session proved to be uneventful, as John was very nervous and had nearly canceled the appointment at the last minute. During that session, the doctor spent most of the time trying to make John more comfortable. By the second session, John was ready. It was during this session that some of the biggest details regarding what happened would be brought to light. The Avis family experiences were revealed. John lay back, breathing in and out, as he listened to Wilder's words and slowly opened up his mind. They began regressing through his childhood, stopping at the ages of 13, 11, 
five, and then three. As they progressed, John's voice also changed, sounding more and more childlike. After that, Wilder asked him if they could go back to the night that they had been driving back to Avely. He asked him to describe the light that followed their car. John went on to explain the light and how it seemed to follow their every move. He then spoke of the green mist that enveloped their car, and how the area became eerily silent. Wilder asked him what happened next. John replied, Into a big room. He went on to recall being separated from his children. Not to worry, John mumbled. He explained that he was told not to worry, and that everything would be okay. It was at that point he would describe the terrifying events that really took place that night. After driving through the green mist, John stated that they had been taken on board an alien craft. He was brought into a large room after being separated from his wife and children. At that point, he was met by two different species of alien. The first were described as being very tall and strange given the situation. They appeared to be peaceful and wore what looked like a one-piece suit that covered the majority of their body, aside from a small portion of their face. They had nearly translucent skin and bright pink eyes. They also communicated with him telepathically. This group watched as the second species examined him. John laid an exam table as he felt what seemed like a flat metal bar pass over the length of his body, as if scanning him. The machine was operated by a small fur-covered figure. When addressed by Collins to describe the alien, he referred to it as the examiner. He described the fur-covered being as not very nice. It also had big eyes and a mouth, unlike our own. John was then asked why they had came here. He responded, To observe and to lead. They said they need us as hosts. The next question asked was where they had came from. To this, John replied, There was no need to say where they were from as they had no need to return where they had came from. They were here to stay, to observe, and to lead humankind. No visit. They are here always. John proceeded to tell them that they had more than one base on Earth. When asked where, he stopped replying. At that point, John could not respond anymore. Once he was brought out of hypnosis, he explained that he felt as if he had been blocked from being able to say anything further. He felt that they didn't want him to give any additional information. Regardless of John agreeing to undergo hypnotic regression, Elaine stood firmly by her decision not to. However, after discussing her case with Collins and the other researchers, this triggered remembrance in her. Dreams became more vivid, 
and both John and Elaine found themselves able to recall more after exploring their experiences. John and Elaine's experiences were very much similar to what the other experienced. Once on board, they were separated from each other and their children, and met by a tall, suited leader figure through a hole in the wall, which he was able to make appear. Once through, they found themselves in a large, oval-shaped room. This is where their examination took place. The small, fur-covered being used various tools to scan them, and the tall figures always watched over the procedure. After the examination, John and Elaine claimed to have been given a tour of the craft. At one point, they were told to lie down and watch a screen. The couple reported seeing rapid images of maps, pictures, and diagrams. It was too quick to make out specific images that they could remember. However, in their mind, they were given a quick explanation of each image displayed. When John questioned the fact that he couldn't make out specific images, he was told, Do not worry. It is all being remembered by your mind. Elaine recalled the experience as similar to having the entire contents of an encyclopedia dumped into one's head all at once. One thing John and Elaine both remembered was being shown a hologram. It was a planet. It was the planet of the beings in its last years. It had been ruined by years of pollution and other natural problems and disasters. The beings explained that it had been lost, along with two of their sons and one of their moons through misuse. After that point, John, Elaine, and their children were all returned to their car. So what really happened on that fateful October night? Given the claims provided by John and Elaine Avis, one can assume they certainly experienced something. Was it aliens? And were the couple actually abducted? Or could it have been lack of sleep, causing the couple to share in a sleep-deprived experience? Many believe their story to be genuine, following in the footsteps of famous cases such as Betty and Barney Hill just years before it. Given the time period, there were no shortage of UFO sightings and reports. However, there are still those that question the authenticity of the case. Some believe the couple concocted and fabricated a story. But at what cost? There was no material gain for providing a false story or series of events. There was no fame that followed them as a result. So what would they benefit if that was the case? There are so many unanswered questions. We will never have true and definitive answers to them, and we must be able to understand that. UFO or UAP sightings and abduction cases have continued to build over the years, and will certainly continue. One can only hope that one day, we will have all the answers we need to live in unity with these beings. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We are your hosts, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. 
And now the debrief. You liked that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did. A little, I, just, uh, I felt the need to break in the song, your, yeah. Showing off your timber <laughs> there. My timber, <laughs> yes. That's right. Um, This is a cool one. I had never heard of this case. Yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, it's... It's one that's it slipped uh, slipped through the cracks until like I kind of I, I took a deep dive one day looking at UFO and abduction cases because I wanted to have some on the back burner for like when I'm ready to do an abduction. Yeah, and I went back and forth this week deciding what I wanted to do, and yeah, I decided just to return to this story, which um is is actually yeah it's a really cool one, and it's it is it's another pretty like tough-hitting one, considering the time. That's true. Because this is 74, and Betty and Barney Hill are, what, 61? Yeah. And, like, I mean, this is, like, another really, a really major one, considering the time period. And this is, uh, in England. So... That's what... I was really surprised by how how much there was to the story. Because I... Considering the fact that I'd never heard of right. it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because in the 70s... It is easy to lose track of all the because the seventies is like the heyday for UFO shit. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Another reason that this one isn't as popular is because this was actually reported on by Andrew Collins uh, in the seventies, and the names of the characters in the story are all just pseudonyms. Ah, okay. They never came forward with their real identities. Never wanted any recognition. Yeah. I mean, literally, it came down to they said the re- they they didn't even come come out with their story until three years after the fact. Yeah, when they finally just had the need to basically get it off their chest, they wanted to tell somebody, and so they ended up getting uh, word of like this this UFO group, uh, you know, in the area um, after basically reading an article and stuff, and got in touch with them, which got in got them in touch with Collins, um, and then he ended up writing up a really really detailed report yeah i bet uh, which i'll have we'll have to uh provide the link so people can actually check it out because there's drawings of what the couple described uh there's like a map that actually shows how this object is following them um where they're at and like this countryside everything like super detailed and really cool yeah that's awesome so we'll make sure we'll make sure we get that out there too so but. he was the one who he was the one who suggested the hypnosis, right? right? Collins. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So were they did they not have any details before the hypnosis or did they well, were they aware of some of it prior? They they started to have nightmares. Right. They started to have nightmares of both both uh John and Elaine and uh, I mean Kevin uh started having you know these the strange visions like the one of this like clown figure in his room yeah and that was all he could remember and he just remembered seeing this figure he woke up in the middle of the night seeing this like what kind of looked like a clown he was just dressed all in white basically feeling like he couldn't move yeah and then after that i was gone and that's all he could remember of what happened so um i mean that that sounds a lot like sleep paralysis yeah of course right Mm -hmm. yeah but the clown is right yeah i mean you know but maybe maybe it was like his way of seeing it and it didn't actually look like a clown per se for sure you know who knows but yeah yeah and then john and anything started having their just nightmares of being on an exam table and these 
They describe them as gnomish or small, ugly, ugly little things. Yeah. That's the quote that they that they had provided. Um, and that was before, like, they actually recalled any of it because they couldn't figure it out. Like, why yeah. all this weird shit started happening? Like, then stuff around the home. I mean, you know, the family all of a sudden felt this, like, need to go vegetarian. Yeah. Aside from their youngest, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. Um, which I don't, I don't know if they're like making him a steak while all of them are eating like impossible burgers, but right, you know, um, yeah. And then like, a, go ahead. It's, I mean, it's a really common thing after alien abduction experiences for people to make these like positive life changes. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. You know what I mean? Without a doubt. The vegetarianism, the quit smoking, quit drinking. I, yeah. Like I thought that that was, that was really cool. I mean, and, and they, like he had described in Collins report, John was 60 to 70 cigarette per day smoker. Yeah. I mean, that's like three packs of cigarettes in a day. That's insane. But yeah, that's the only people were only putting numbers up like that when you could smoke everywhere. I mean, that's that's true. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And back then, you could literally smoke everywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I mean, he went from being a very heavy smoker to stopping completely. They stopped drinking alcohol. You know, became vegetarians. Had a yeah. new profound look on the world and were animal rights activists. And you know, like yeah, which is I mean, which is. I think that's awesome. You know, yeah, it's a great I mean that that all seems like positive change, and then John has a nervous breakdown, and then John has this nervous <laughs> breakdown out of nowhere that caused him to lose his job, and then I mean he was out of work from basically Christmas until September the next year, where he finally got a job that he'd wanted basically his whole life, like got yeah. his dream job out of nowhere. He got an offer for this job, and it was what he'd always wanted. Do you think maybe he had a nervous breakdown because the alien abduction caused him to quit every method he right. had to relieve Any stress? vice that he had. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. I mean, you know, we have our vices for a reason, right? They help yeah. us cope with things. A lot of people think that's in your head, which, yes, it is. But, like, everybody's different in how they, how yeah. they deal with stress and, you know, different, different things like that, right? And that, of course, yeah. you know... His smoking, being a heavy smoker, I'm sure he dealt with a lot of that. Yeah, and you know that was his vice, and and even like, you know, maybe he just had a glass of bourbon one night a week. You know, not even having sure. something like that. Like, yeah, I mean, just all these little things that, of course, he had no, no like comfort <laughs> thing that he could go back yeah. to. No way to blow off steam. Exactly. I mean, if you go from like steaks and smokes and a bourbon on a regular basis to fucking carrots and nothing. Yeah. That's I could see that fraying at your nerves. <laughs> yeah. You know? Agreed, agreed. I mean, it would be it's a, it's a tough transition in itself. Let yeah. alone to do that all at once. I mean, which again, props to them for that because that is stellar. But at the same time, like when shit hits the fan, how yeah. How do you, how do you deal right? Yeah, where's the release valve? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and to go through all that shit while being stalked by possibly the Men in Black. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah. which that to me like that whole thing got crazy. So I mean, yeah, they're seeing the they're seeing these people that are following them. First of all, the same three cars that they see repeatedly for well over a year. Yeah, and to like into the next summer. Okay, well. 
not a year, but from October into like midsummer the next, you know, the next following summer or whatever. Um, that and then also John is like being like flagged down by quote unquote police officers five times yeah. a week. That's crazy. Right. That just it it's extremely wild. And doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense in that, at least to me. Yeah. Yeah, the men in black thing is wild. Yeah. It's that I mean, obviously that's one of the coolest parts of any of I mean, the yeah. alien abduction stories is I, the I men love, in black. I love the idea of men in black, exactly. Yeah. Like you know, and and speculating all day, like what these things are, who they are, what you know, what they can be. Yep. Um. But yeah, like it's always a cool, like just a cool, like little side thing about these types of stories. Yeah. But if we assume that all of that contact was Men in Black, that's a lot of contact with Men in Black. That that's a lot, right? It is a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually it's one or two encounters yeah. that people have. This guy was getting pulled over by them five times a week right. i mean at, at its peak yeah it was like a month month period whatever at its peak it was five times a week that's crazy that's a lot yeah i mean that's he i mean we may be talking the guy who has more experience with men in black than anyone else on earth i mean that's a lot I, i've never heard of, of someone i've never heard of of a an abductee having dozens of encounters right with the men in black yeah i mean normally it's just uh we have you know we have a case where you know they're invited into a place or whatever and they're fascinated by a pen and that's all she wrote but no well this one i mean (laughs) they're (laughs) apparently pretending to be police officers and yeah flagging them down right but he never like he never gets in trouble or anything right like it's i'd like to know the details of those those pullovers yeah, you know what I mean I, I, yeah right I, I wish that there was actually more to it other than like um, I think Collins in his report said that like each time he had to like file a report and go to the police station for it okay but that was it that's weird right and then it just stopped there right I, that's that's basically yeah see that's the question Are were all these men in black or were the police in on it that's a good question, too. You know what I mean? Could the police have been in on harassing this family? Or is there secretly one or two men in black actually in this police department, mm-hmm. you know, part of this whatever? I mean, right. just like any government office or whatever, right? Sure. You know, they can weasel their way in as some, like, fed or something like that that's on a case yeah. that's, you know, basically See, that's what, hanging out at the police department. That's what I was thinking was like, what if the men in black contact point was the police officers, not the family? So what if the men in black showed up at this police station? Because it's a small town, right? Right, yeah. What if the men in black show up at this police station and they're like, we're, you know, federal agents. And we need you guys to monitor, keep close contact with this family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe they orchestrated it through the police. I would I would say that's anything's possible, right? Right. I'm just trying to understand like how that would be an awful <laughs> lot of direct contact with men in black. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean extremely. Extremely like normally, I mean, they're they try to keep their cover, you know, try to keep their like even presence low. Yeah. Like they try to keep like a low profile. I guess that's the best way to put it. 
Also, there's no real description of anything bizarre. Right. In these encounters that he, when he was getting pulled over all the time, like, yeah, none of them phased through a fence. None of them, you know what I mean? At least that we know of. Right. I mean, you know, you'd think he would have brought that up. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, you're getting spooked. You're getting spooked. Like there's probably going to be minor details. You're not going to notice or just fail to even comprehend whatever else. Yeah. That's true. I mean, or it's just like, damn it. Another one. Like, and he's just yeah. like, <laughs> it's like same old, same old. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I really love the like notes of high strangeness in this case. Yeah. Cause there are a bunch of them. There are. The green fog. The green fog is a very cool detail. I like that. It, I almost like, I picture it as like almost like this green jelly that they like drive into. Right. Like a gelatinous cube. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, I see. I was thinking of it like a tractor beam. Yeah, yeah. Because when they drive into it, that's when they experience that like weightlessness, right? right. And they don't hear Everything anything. Goes silent. The, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. yeah. Of course. I'm. I'm sure that that's that's essentially what it is, right? Yeah, but it's such a cool like visual of it that it's like this wall of green fog, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's cool. And they like they basically they think they're only in it for a couple like long seconds, you know. It seems like this only yeah. like yeah, I'm sure it's it feels like a lot longer during while it's happening. But then they're like, oh, that's it. Because yeah. they like they explain like coming out of it feeling like the car, you know that feeling like when you go up and over a hill like a very like sharp hill. It's almost like that. They went over like this like dome and then boom, they're they're back in the ground yeah. sort of thing. Like a. Like like an old old like bridge that goes up and up and over yeah. or something. Yeah, that's interesting. That's weird. It's also like it's interesting to think because I think you may have accidentally hit on something there where you were like, I'm sure it felt longer while it was happening, but it was one of those events that afterwards you're like, oh, that's it, right? You know what I mean? And that's sort of like the normal time dilation that people experience. Right? Like yeah. when you're doing when you're in something, it might feel like arduous and like, God, when is this gonna end? And then it's over and you're like, already? I mean, yeah. Like that was I, quick. That could be said about like a lot of things. Like you get on like a roller coaster or something, you psych yourself yeah. out and it seems like it's lasting forever. Yep. But really it's like fifty seconds and you're like, damn, that was fast. Yeah, so maybe that's the missing time. Maybe it's not in the actual Maybe it's in the return where the missing time really happens. Maybe it's the, maybe you spend two hours doing whatever, mm-hmm. but for some reason when it's over, you get a feeling like that was so quick. That yeah. had to just be a few seconds. You know what I mean? Or that, that had to be 10 minutes. No way it was more than that. And because mm. anyone who has like binged video games like you and I have, right? Yeah, we know that feeling of playing a video game, and then you look up and realize it's been three hours. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean. And you're like, no fucking way, right. no way that was three hours. I feel like I did one thing. Yeah, <laughs> damn it. I hate that. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's maybe there's something there to that. Yeah, that it's like it's in the the comeback. It's it's in that after that the afterglow of abduction 
where you where you're like you look back on it and the way you look back on it is that it was very short yeah right i mean i yeah i agree i agree for sure that's that's interesting because you you kind of think of missing time as like oh you like slipped through a portal and you're in a place where time works differently right but like i mean really maybe it really is just bent perceptions (laughs) you know yeah i I, I agree i agree I, i think that that's wholly what it is um, yeah, you know, I mean, because you think about it, like you're, you know, obviously they were fully aware, fully conscious and aware of where they, where they were, what was going on at the time that they're being shown around this craft and they're being made to do these different yeah. things. But then when it comes back, it's like, it's like, I don't know, like almost like it catches up with them and, but it just doesn't seem right. like really there was anything the, that actually was experienced. All the events blur together. Oh, they, we've all experienced that too in, in normal life. Yeah. Where, you know, when you're, I remember like, okay, perfect example. My, I have several children in high school right now. I know for a fact that going from class to class, assignment to assignment, they are present and aware of what they're doing all day long. Right. Yeah. But I swear to God, the moment they step off that bus, it becomes like, a 30 minute hum in their mind. I mean, like it all, it all blurs together. You're yeah, like, Hey, what'd course. you do today? And they're like, I don't know. I, I went to school. It's like, almost like an information overload of sorts. And then yeah. by the end of it, well, like, like Elaine said, it was like being given the contents of an entire encyclopedia, just dumped in your head. You know, yeah. like it was very hard to almost grasp everything. Maybe that's maybe it's kind of like that. It's like that time where everything kind of comes together, and you're thinking back, like trying to differ, like decipher every or whatever, like all the details, right? Kind of and individualize each detail. Yeah, and it just makes it really hard to be able to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's it's cool to think that like because these concepts are related to like. They're, they're considered a part of like these high strangeness experiences like right. missing time and lost memories and, and all that stuff but like you might I mean I've definitely watched movies where it might take hypnotic regression for me to remember what happened in that movie uh, yeah, yeah. You know I mean? no I, I yeah. 100% under, understand that yeah I've been there for sure yeah it's, so I feel like they're they're like um not exaggerated like intentionally exaggerated but i feel like they're like really acute examples of things that we actually experience in everyday life you know yeah yeah that are just parts of being a person Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah i agree i don't know what any of that means for this case i'm just like you got me thinking now about like the whole thing rationalizing all this and also just putting together like I mean, because loss of time is a very common occurrence in every type of case like this. And it's something that people deal with on a regular basis. Like, I know there's times where I've been driving and all of a sudden look up. I have no idea where I'm at. Even though I'm very familiar with everything, I know where I'm at. But it's like my brain can't comprehend where I'm at and how I've gotten there that fast. Or, you know, how I've gotten to where I'm at. Because, you know, I'm just mindlessly doing what I'm doing. Yeah, you just flip into autopilot. Yeah. And yeah, I 
definitely had those moments where it's like, how the fuck did I not die in the last 20 right. minutes? But I, I think like, it's similar, kind of similar to that, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's We talked about that when we did our Haunted Highways yeah, episode. Yeah, true. true. Mm-hmm. Like, God, that was, what, like a year and a half ago now? That's, that's Something like that. Um, the uh, You're just in that state where your mind is very malleable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where you're you're like in autopilot. You're just drifting down the highway. You're doing all the things you're supposed to do while driving, but you don't yeah. need to think about them individually. So you just have like a hum in your mind going. It's just a wild thought you know? to look up and be like, like none of this looks familiar, even though I know yeah. it is. Yeah, like I can I consciously you know, know that it is, but I can't. I for some reason I can't. Like if yeah. for, it's like. Yeah, it's like a loss for a moment before you kind of snap to, you know, snap yeah. to and then it's like, oh yeah, okay. And even more than that, you 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 know that during that time period you were clocking all these things that you need to while driving. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like, you know, whether the person passing you in the other lane is too close or not and like there are stoplights and stop signs even and like Oh, you're using your turn signals like you know that your brain was working during that time period but you just all of a sudden look up and you're like where the f- how did I get here yeah of course yeah it's weird it's a weird thing yeah uh, I don't even know how to you know begin to kind of explain how it all works but yeah it's I, I mean I that's the thing there. <laughs> that's what's so mysterious about these cases though is like it these are things we're all familiar with and I think that's why people relate to them so strongly is we all know what missing time feels like but for it to happen in an instant like that it's like an exaggerated version you know what I mean yep. it's not something so otherworldly that we can't wrap our minds around it we Agreed. we all know what it feels like to lose an hour you know yeah yeah so it's let's weird. get into the shit that happened to them while they're on the ship yeah yeah so um so they meet essentially two different two different species of aliens um one they describe as being like the tall the tall ones at first like they both describe meeting this one specific tall figure that's like dressed in this you know single whatever uh a unitard yeah yeah uh (laughs) and they describe it as the leader you know i mean they're very leader type they like walk up to a wall that's there's nothing there and he just there's a hole and they walk through it um and he's like he's always one of the ones overseeing what's happening along with like a couple of others and then of course kicks a kicks a jukebox on the way out and it starts playing elvis (laughs) he's like very much the color exactly pulls out a cigarette out of a shirt sleeve that's right slicks back his hair I was going to say turning, comb in the hair. <laughs> we're turning. <laughs> we always somehow turn things into like greasers. I know. I love it. I don't, I don't know why. That's just infinitely the cool guy. I mean, yeah. Right. Why? Yeah. It's like your, your fawns, right? Yeah. Or it, I always think, uh, Patrick Swayze and outsiders. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like the fucking coolest. Yeah. Man, I love outsiders. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> anyhow it's really one of, one of my favorite stories of all time um oh yeah but getting back to uh you know this greaser leader um so he's he they end up going to a room and you know each of them are laid on this table and 
There's this, like, furry, furry thing doing right. scans and whatever on them. Which I th- Now, is I th- that... That's the second alien type? That's the second is species, the, okay. yes. Okay, gotcha. The small furry creatures. Yeah. Is that... That's the extent of the explanation? Like, yeah, I mean, description? Okay, so I actually have some... I have some more descriptions of these. Um... So, they have narrow, pointed eyes, shaped like winged glasses. Uh, they have a, either a beak or a nose. They couldn't quite tell. Okay. Pointed ears, hunched shoulders, and they wore, like, a white coat or a gown. Was, okay. Was their essentially overall description. And fur everywhere, you know. That's... You know, I'm picturing a furry version of the, like, tough squirtle. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The the episode in the first season of Pokemon where the one can... squirtle's like the leader of the gang and he wears the sunglasses. Yeah. The like pointy sunglasses. Yeah. That's what I pictured immediately. Huh. I, that didn't. Nope. I'm not even going to continue to look for what I was. For a tough squirtle? No, I was trying to look up like this thing that I keep seeing. It's from old, some old video game that I can't remember right now. Okay. Um, but I went to look it up, and then I just got it started giving me resert, results for furries. Oh yeah, yeah. And like Reddit posts, people people talking about furries, and so we're that's a different yeah. that's a different episode. Yeah, <laughs> we're not going to get into kinks on this one. A different episode of a different show. <laughs> it could be the same show. <laughs> I don't mind. Um, I guess unsettling is unsettling. <laughs> <laughs> it's only unsettling if you think it's unsettling. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, perception is key. No, no kink shaming on this show, uh, for sure. The um, so they're tiny, right? They're furry. What does tiny mean? How small I mean, are we small. talking? I would, I would assume, I would assume these tall ones. There, you know, I'm assuming they're going to be like our normal five to five to six feet tall. You know, like lanky. Oh, yeah, the tall ones. Right. Right. And the tiny ones are how big? And I'm gonna do you say imagine? I I want to I want to say they're probably about three three and a half to four feet tall. Okay, okay. Because they could also literally be like the size of a Furby. They could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be actually even cooler. Yeah, but I feel like it wouldn't take anything for you to like you know flick your finger at them and pump them across the room. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I. I imagine they're probably, but man, I hate words like that. I hate when no one digs deeper. You know what I right. mean? Like, they're if small. you're interviewing an experiencer and they say small they're or small. tiny, ask them to elaborate, please. Like, yeah. I want to know. Give me an estimate. I, Three I feet mean, tall. I like three I like, inches tall. It's kind of like a choose your own adventure story. Yeah, you just make up yeah. the details yourself. I mean, that's what their mind probably did anyway. <laughs> probably. Right? So, yeah. we're right there with them. So, anyhow, we have these three and a half to four feet tall furries. These tall, tall guys with translucent skin as the watchers. And then, you know, the furries do their 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 random scans, make sure they're doing okay. It's basically like they're checking them to make sure every, like, they're, you know, they're... Healthy. Healthy, right. They're, like... Okay progressing onward because as we get into this we're going to talk about the more that they're actually like taught on right. this uh and told as they're on this this craft 
So needless to say, after that, they, they, they're like, all right, come hither. Let's go take a ship, uh, you know, a quick, uh, a quick, you know, walk through my, my craft here. Yeah. Uh, let me a show tour. you the world. Um, <laughs> this could be all yours. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'd take one from an alien <clears throat> to get that to be all mine. Would you? Yeah. <laughs> I'd take one. I'd give one. Um, give and take. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, they're they're out there walking, and they're like, "Hey, hop into this chair, check out this screen." And they're like, "All right, checks out. I'll do so." Um, <laughs> don't have to tell me twice. I'll do so. <laughs> <laughs> so then they're shown, of course, the thing that we learn a lot in a lot of these types of cases. They see yeah. the downfall of you know the, the civilization, the downfall of you know the world like they see like you know what could happen if we continue the way we are like they're seeing like trash flowing into rivers and oceans and you know like just humanity no longer caring and the The world we live in now exactly yeah really (laughs) they saw 2023 and then so and they're given all this information flash 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 you know it's like happening left and right and they're hearing like somehow they're being told I, I don't know if it's like this is going like a thousand words per minute in their heads like mm-hmm. how are you supposed to know what that is but they're also being told like this is a cat this is a bottle like yeah but they're seeing like these images flashing really quickly like so okay. that like that didn't that to me didn't really make a lot of sense yeah like, that's very granted, strange you might see like a five second display like this is such and such yeah this is the Eiffel Tower upside down um, yeah you know like whatever so and then of course elaine says like it's, it's like being dumped the full contents of the encyclopedia which i, I liked that comparison i thought that, yeah. that was pretty cool um, right you know just uh basically just it's just a you know an overflow of information like and not being right. able to know you know what like there's no way you're going to comprehend that no way you're going to remember it but then yeah. when john speaks out about it they say you know you your mind will remember or whatever else like right so yep i thought that was I thought that was kind of neat. So obviously, yeah, when it's time just comes, like a, they're gonna. Add, it's, it's just like an there. upload, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's intense. Um, so yeah, and then of course, like they they start to learn a lot of these things, like you know, finding out who they are, where they're from. You know, they take into that room with this like holograph, like hologram of this planet, and they're told about what happened to their planet is what's happening to Earth, and you know, like yeah, trying to avoid this from happening. And, you know, their reason is because they're using us basically as their hosts, but they like they they word it, you know, kind of different ways, which is basically, um, you know, like as if they are they're here to show us the correct ways. But yet at the same time, like almost like they're taking over. Right. Yeah. But they're they're doing it so they can lead us to the, you know, whatever. But. There's one thing that I'm going to cut to, which Elaine happens to, like, ask about her children at one point when she's with them. And they, there was one, one, the, uh, which I think is the leader, says to her, your children are safe. We, you value your children. We do not reproduce. We do not have children. We reproduce through you. You are our, our children. Whoa. Right? So... (laughs) That I mean, I <laughs> that's pretty. It's cool. intense. Yeah, um, it's a little bit almost like 
it has some some like celestial feeling to it you know what i mean like creator gods yeah i mean that or like there's also a point where um they're they they essentially like i mean i'm just gonna kind of skip ahead with a lot of these like different things that are happening but they eventually say we are you you know after they're shown like the planet and stuff and what's happened they they basically come out and say we are you like essentially like we are you future you okay um you know which i mean whether or not like which i mean it does make you know makes sense sure there is they're showing like what happened to their planet which is very earth-like very you know like all the same shit that we're enduring and you know continue to deal with whatever they were dealing with yeah um you know so that that could make sense yeah i mean there's always been that theory that grays are you know humans from the future right right that and it always gets like sort of bandied about in these cases where the experiencer or the abductee where they get these like downloads of a terrible possible future if they don't get their shit together right i mean of course yeah it's yeah it's always like the terminator theory right? right where like they're coming back to try and save the planet yeah so when they were shown the planet one of the beings had said specifically this is the seed of life our past and your future our whole existence and then um john had stated that he was told that and additionally in addition to traveling to earth to use humans as hosts hosts they said we are you or they are us so we're talking like a future humanity that no longer physically reproduces right right or that um, you know is coming back uh you know whatever and using them to reproduce and yeah you know however you I mean, like, look at it because if you think about you know the grays right they're like sexless right they're generally considered like smooth body big head all eyes you know like if that is an evolved version of man then yeah physical reproduction wouldn't really be a thing anymore if you imagine that human beings get to a point where maybe they're living the majority of their life in like a virtual space or they're yeah or that genetic engineering has progressed so far that we don't need reproductive organs anymore right we're just you just take DNA from one, take DNA from another, blend them, make a baby, right? Where's like, the fun in that, though? <laughs> it's efficient. It's not fun. Efficiency is <laughs> overrated. <laughs> it's um, but if we got to that point, then and then there was some kind of cataclysm, some kind of failure of all those supporting technologies, right? Then, yeah, I could see the need, like, oh, shit, we're going to have to reproduce some way, mm-hmm. right? So let's find a way to go back to our former selves who had the capability of reproducting physically, and we can just snatch up some kiddos there yeah, or plant some DNA there. I mean, yeah, that's what, right? that's, that's basically what they say. You know, it's yeah. the seed of life. This is our seed. Yeah. It's the whole, that's also the basis of the whole, like, idea of hybrid 
the hybrid oh, yeah, program yeah. and and all that shit. But they get into like life from other planets coming to Earth to you know that they can't reproduce anymore, so they come here and they plant, they blend yeah. their DNA with ours and tons of movies yeah. on it. Yep, and uh, I think what's that's his fuck that one porn. dude? My bad. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just that, that one fucking dude who claims he he was abducted like a dozen times and he was taken to another planet to see all of his children, all of his hybrid babies, and oh, all that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> there's a bunch of that shit. Yeah, I mean that that just gets kind of silly to me, but maybe you know maybe it's a thing. Who knows? Yeah, I mean it's. That's the shit that feels like alien fanfic. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, Some people would say this case sounds like alien fanfic. Might be. And it, you know what I mean? Like, everyone has a different line, I guess. But That's true. Like, for me, it comes down to the experience or the vibe I get from them. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I'll Some people that. are obviously, like, telling a cool story they thought of. <laughs> And other people are, I'm really swayed by the fact that these people never, they never like did the convention circuit. Neither of them wrote a book. They never trying to provided their real names because they didn't want any type of like monetary gain or fame, anything. Yeah. They didn't want it connected to them at all. Yeah. And that I always find pretty compelling. Right. Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, that makes and that uh, it just adds a lot more, I think, authenticity to it. Like the fact that I mean, yeah, uh, most of these they go out to tell their story and tell it to the masses. Yeah, and that's not what they wanted in this case. I mean, honestly, I tend to believe people, regardless. Yep. You know what I mean? Like my default is to believe people who are telling an experience. Because I was just thinking, like, when I said that, I was thinking basically the exact opposite of like travis walton yeah right but i believe him too travis walton whitley streber yeah yeah those guys uh, but uh, there's been many Be- times betty where hill you, you you don't like the streams yeah. we like the streams over here oh uh, yeah we do we do i i love whitley streber all right all right i when i first really started diving into ufo stuff he was his story was past my line, my fan fiction but line. It's, it, it is. It's very fantastical. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but I, that's the thing what is, I love about it. The thing is, since then, I have listened to him talk a lot. I'm glad I'm about glad his experience. Okay. And his perspective on it now is, I I find completely convincing. I, I love Whitley Strieber. He, I think, I think he's like one of the most important figures in ufology. I do. All right. Good. I think the shit he's doing now, like Dreamland, the podcast Dreamland, go fucking listen to it. Seriously. Everyone. See, we go need to have to him it. on this show. Yeah. I'd love to. That's... See, we had his, his, uh, his sometimes co-host, um, Jeremy Vaney. He was on last year. And but we never really, because Jeremy's story is so fucking fascinating. He's also an experiencer that we never really got to talk about Whitley at all. I just wanted, I, but, I just want to talk to him. Yeah, same. 
you know same i'd love to talk to him so, i mean there we we have a bucket list of guests <laughs> I mean, yeah. for sure and whitley's on there i'm too it'd be awesome so getting back i'm just gonna throw some details out um yeah like give them to me a couple a couple little things there was a there was a point on uh sometime during on board elaine was presented with some food they told her to eat and she is basically she like refused right um then she felt that she was exposed to some kind of manner or some type of like mind control because one of the beings offered to play her some music to soothe her to comfort her and they ended up using her mind and some like weird hand stuff okay (laughs) to create the soothing sound similar to like a high-pitched harp and then she relaxed. Interesting. It's like, I don't know if they're rubbing their fingers together or, you know, they were just doing some hand stuff. Yeah. Some classic hand right. stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm, I like I like those details, though, because that's very reminiscent of, like, old fae stories. Yeah. Old, like, fairy encounters. The food is a huge thing. The, like, offering food. Um, and the music. The music to, like... You know, we hear it a lot in alien encounters that, like, I was terrified, I was panicked, I was... And then they were basically, like, calm down, and I had just calmed down. Well, right? funny funny you talk about that, because there was a point where Elaine... Because Elaine was restrained, and John wasn't. But So okay. she's, like, fighting her restraints to get out. And one of the tall figures told her, we can't do anything with you while you're like that. And yeah. then they proceeded to place their middle it's it proceeded to place its middle finger on her forehead and it's two outer fingers on the outside of her eyes and she immediately blacked out there you go <laughs> yeah see that's the those experiences are super common in in these abduction scenarios which is why when we get one like uh like when we covered linda napolitano yeah it felt so silly that she's like they're like physically wrestling her down and you know what i mean yeah. like she had this like college wrestling match with the fucking alien. That was just um, a silly story. Yeah, for sure. But like, it's it's very those are very reminiscent of like fairy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, lore. That's, that's fair. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I like those connections. Now there was one. Uh, so I, I'm gonna skip skip a little bit, and then I'm gonna go back to something here. Okay. Um, so they never allowed Kevin, the older son. He was seven at the time. Uh, ten years later, when they finally start talking about the, you know, talking to Collins, they never yeah. allowed him to undergo hypnotic regression. He talked to okay. Collins like twice on two separate occasions, uh, just for like a short period of time. But they never let him like try to relive a story. But at one point, over while he while he was still younger, he looked at John and said. They gave me a lot of things to do when I grow up, but I've forgotten them all. Okay. Which is, I mean, that's, you know, pretty crazy. Yeah. That, like, he just kind of randomly thinks, that, you know, like, I mean, maybe he's thinking about a lot more that he's not letting on, but yeah. Yeah. It I just sort of was... dawns on right, him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if he ever pursued hypnotic regression separately See, after that's he what I've became wondered. of age. And, but you can't find out because, I mean, there are no real names. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And the only thing that really is out there is Collins's report. Yeah. Um, now there you would was, think that Colin would come back after he was of age and be like, "Hey, you want to do this now that they can't say right? no?" Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that sounds a little bad. <laughs> he is a ufologist. Yeah. 
<laughs> now they uh so they did describe how they came to earth how these beings came to earth they explained uh you know kind of told john like how this all worked so okay they said that they were able to travel very fast uh almost instantaneously um, and they were able to do so by using some sort of essentially activator that was able to convert particles and manipulate gravitational forces and in turn able to move their craft. Um, and so in order to travel the Earth's atmosphere, the craft was able to utilize something that they called magnetic drive. Okay. Which allowed them to essentially use, I, I guess, like the polar whatevers and, you know, actually like pull them in. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. That, this is the part I'm of sure, ufology that I hate more than any. I'm sure that makes sense to somebody out there. No, it doesn't. Maybe. You never know. <laughs> dude, UFO Twitter is so packed with, like, dude bros who are fucking debating made-up propulsion systems. All right, well... It's and that shit drives me nuts so fast. Throw a magnetic drive out there. Like, yeah, it's super hard to become an expert in a thing you made up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? I don't know. It drives me crazy. It's so boring, too. It's like, take one of the most fantastical events that a human being could ever experience and turn it into a fucking debate about. A propulsion system. Maybe he was proud of it. He's like, you know, I built this with my own, yeah, limbs. Maybe <laughs> my own limbs. Whatever, whatever they call them. Yeah. And so he's like, check I this out. That's, I that it just always feels like Star Trek shit to me. I mean, that's fair. You know what I mean? Uh, it is. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. out there. Yeah. But I mean, Absolutely. there's got to be some way that they're doing these things. Maybe. I don't know. I. It's like. It just feels like it feels like cheap science fiction to me. The, I mean, it's always going to feel like the, cheap science fiction if you don't understand it. I, I guess so. I guess I'm giving the benefit of a doubt on this one. I yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> I just I don't know that the it just seems like the least interesting part of all these stories and it, is these I mean, like yeah and that's why it's literally i mean it's just there to say oh yeah they're able to basically yeah. travel really fast like imagine someone from our time going back to going back to like the 1600s and expecting someone there to be interested in like how you managed to make the microchip in this iphone smaller than the last one you know what i mean like cool story bruh there are so many steps of knowledge that they have that they're missing. Well, yeah, you know what course. I mean to even understand what the fuck you're talking. So like, and you got I this guy wonder, what is geeking the point? out, and he's like, yeah. I I just wonder what the point is for the for the being to explain it at all because he because would have to explain like thousands of years of technological. Growth maybe he did for that person to even instant. have. And then this is this was his okay. way to verbally explain it because he can't okay. quite explain it any other sure. way because it's all on his mind okay yeah that transfer of information right yeah i'll take that okay this is like the best he could do yeah like like when like your grandpa comes back from a doctor's appointment and he's like i don't know he said like the thing was high i guess and you're like i know he said other words than that <laughs> and that's he's all like, i heard 
<laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> cool, Grandpa. Yeah. Well, well, the thing was high, so they're putting me on some stuff. I don't. That's all I got. I heard some stuff and things, and then I'm back. So, <laughs> what do you expect? Yeah. But yeah, I, I like that. Maybe like maybe he really did transfer all the knowledge yeah. he would need to understand the technology. Maybe this guy went on to he, be this like incredible engineer and got the, after he got that job. After all this information got dropped on him, he's like, and that's one reason they never wanted their names out there because they're already doing well, right? And he didn't he's want like, like people to be like, oh, so you got this information from an alien? Thought you made uh, this up yourself. Yeah. Right. Cheater. This guy went on to invent the DVD player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back then, we called it Laserdisc. Made millions. <laughs> Laserdisc. There's a movie on that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I only buy CDs because it sounds much better anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. Yep. Well, so this is this story. <laughs> yeah, is that it? <laughs> the the Avely story, yes. How'd they get off the ship? Like, I mean, what was the transition back? After, that was it. Like, after they're told this information, shown this planet and stuff, they, the family along with the children are just put back into the car. So they're That's sitting like the there, they're getting they this huge and... download of information, and then, like, bump over the hill. Right. And they're in the car. Yeah. Interesting. It seems a lot less dramatic than the green fog of how they got in the ship. You well, know I'm what sure, I mean? like, they probably, like, did it's something. It's just more missing time. Yeah. Smaller versions. I mean, because okay. at that point, they probably, like, did some memory erase thing or, like, you'll remember this when you need to. <laughs> right. And, like, sparkle some, some fairy dust on them or something. Yeah. Some memory yeah. figure getting dust. That's probably it. Blast them with a... <laughs> Memory wiper from Men in Black. Yep. Yep. Whatever that exactly. thing was called, I can't remember. But yeah. The uh neuralizer. Something was like that. that. Yeah. That's something. It's pretty close. Yeah, it's something like that. Hmm. I'm gonna call it that. <laughs> I think I nailed it. Yep. <laughs> Confidence is key. Um this story was awesome. I, I like this. I'm adding it to my list of top ufo cases cool yeah i mean i i really dig this one too just i'm very surprised it's not more widely known and of course i mean i I never heard anybody talk about it more known in like the uk um you know i think probably but at the same time with how crazy and out there it is i'm surprised it's not as popular but again due to pseudonyms and yeah, you know we we only have this report that was written by you know Andrew Collins, and you know that's that's what we have to go off of. Yeah, I mean, you always hear about how like Rendlesham is the UK's Roswell, but I would say this is the UK's Hill abduction. It's like there's there's a Agreed. lot here. Yeah, you got the couple, you got the kids, you got the. You have the hypnosis. We didn't you see got... windows on this craft, though. That's true. No one in Nazi uniforms either. <laughs> and they didn't take us to like a normal like bedroom door to open up to get on the craft. This is also a. There's a big difference culturally between sixty one and seventy four. Yeah. Right. Seventy four. Yep. In the 
the 70s were very, a very idyllic time. You know what I mean? And that's where it's where we get a lot of these stories where people are hearing about, like, this is how you save the planet. This is how you... You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it, maybe that's their their own their own state of mind reflected in the phenomenon or maybe if these let's go straight nuts and bolts maybe these really are human beings coming back from the future maybe they thought like the 70s this is when people gave a shit like let's go here yeah you know that's that's possible yeah i like that it's interesting so yeah yeah I, i i definitely agree i think it's a really cool and i think it's it's honestly it should be more widely known and hopefully we can help to spread the word yeah absolutely i'd like to see other podcasts covering this yeah i I mean i think that there there's like a handful of maybe other other shows that have yeah um but yeah not like not a ton not a ton yet so all right with that said i think that's gonna wrap up episode 112 the avely abduction thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at reverbnation.com slash reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers. Stay weird. And and trust trust in the unknown. unknown.